what we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to the Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to all of you amazing human beings that are just way, way, way outside of the box thinkers or are way, way on your way outside of the box thinkers. And I always say, you know, a lot of people we listen that listen to the show are, you know, innovators and creators and entrepreneurs and CEOs and uh, you know, artists and um, designers, you know, you guys don't do anything conventional or you're thinking about not doing anything conventional. And you might even be looked at as a little awkward or weird at times because why would you ever do something that your heart tells you to do or to follow your own journey? And I'm here to tell you that the space is very, very, very safe here for having those kind of conversations, for being very welcomed here. I get you, we get you, my guests get you. None of us do anything conventional. Um, and we're really big on following our own path. And, uh, you know, many of you have been following for the last five years, and I know I've got a lot of newer listeners too, as the show continues to grow. So I really welcome you here. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Matt Gottesman. You can find me at, in, on Instagram at Matt Gottesman. So you can kind of get the bigger scope of me, or at least get into the conversation with me over there or at HDF magazine, um, where it all really began. And uh, that's at the intersection of creativity and culture and entrepreneurship or at Hustle Sold Separately. You guys know I answer each and every single DM, text, response, and reply for the last seven years. I have n- practically not missed any, <laughs> any message if I, as long as I have access to it. Um, and, uh, you know, community is very, very, very important to me. Community is everything, uh, as you guys know. And um, I always say here on the show that we do not glamorize or glorify in success. It is arbitrary. Success is arbitrary. Throw your metrics out the window, throw your titles out the window, and everything else that society uses to try to put you into a box. Whatever success is for you in doing the work for the things that matter to you and in your growth and your journey, that I believe is what's really important. And all of my guests, whether it's their first venture, their third, their 50th, whether they're really ingrained in their art or their passion right now, whatever it might be, they're going to basically tell you the same one way or another because they're really in it. And along the way, they're learning a lot of things about themselves and um, how they are shaping up to be leaders within themselves and the community and the world around them, right? So we have really great conversations and I'm really grateful for all of you newer folks. And if you guys have any critique or feedback, you know, you can always leave it to me. And um, we're going to talk today with another incredible guest, about using meditation for performance and building resilience. So um, everybody listening right now, (laughs) the energy is crazy right now in general. My energy has actually been very good. I've been working on this for about eight or nine years. It doesn't mean that there's not a lot of things going on in, in, in the world at large. And so a lot of things that have helped me ground were a lot of spirituality, a lot of self-reflection, doing the work, radical accountability, radical transparency, radical honesty, (laughs) all of these different things. Meditation has been at a big forefront of that for me. And um, my day has to start off for me. 
Because if I jump out into the day and immediately become part of, you know, the, the whirlwind that is, you know, my businesses, my media, all these different things, I'm only operating from yesterday, Matt, and before. When I meditate and I sit in, uh, you know, understand where am I at and where am I going in relation to the bigger things, my execution of that day is completely different. I'm operating off of future pacing mat that's very present and able to make very clear decisions throughout the day. And there is a slew of other information that goes all the way into how does this help us out for long-term sustainability? How does this help us out for how we show up for ourselves, for our work, for our partners, especially for families and so on and so on. So I have the perfect guest <laughs> to talk to about this, Emily Fletcher, and she's the founder of Ziva Meditation, um, best-selling author, Stress Less, Accomplish More. It's been translated into 14 languages. She's a leading expert in meditation for performance. She's acclaimed Ziva Technique in a transformative, uh, it's a research-based daily practice that combines mindfulness, meditation, uh, manifesting to alleviate stress, build resilience, and heal your body on a cellular level. That last part's also very, very key. What it has done for me physically over time, um, my skin, my gut health, I mean, like everywhere, I mean, in, in, um, inner, inside the body and outside the body. Uh, she started her practice in response to the intense demands of her 10-year career on Broadway, so uh, that makes perfect sense. Uh, and her extensive knowledge on the subject of uh, meditation results from 12 years of training. And she began her studies in uh, Rishikesh, India, and developed Ziva as a form of meditation for those of us living in the modern world. And is specifically designed to help people with busy minds and busy lives get a better life, get better at life. Busy minds and busy lives, because I know all of you listening in some way are in both of those categories. So it's not really just about meditation. Uh, to date, Emily has taught over 40,000 people the skill of meditation with a growing roster of Ziva graduates, including actress Jenna Dewan, physician and 12-time New York Times bestselling author Dr. Mark Hyman, Good Morning America co-host Robin Roberts, Sarah Haynes, and Gio Benitez, as well as many Oscar, Grammy, and Emmy Award winners, Navy SEALs, and NBA players. Uh, so she knows a thing or two. <laughs> and she's an international keynote speaker who has been invited to speak at Apple, Google, and Harvard Business School. She's also been named one of the top 100 women in wellness to watch. I'm hoping that she just gets onto a massive platform like a TV that entire millions and millions of people can just basically watch her all at once. That would probably be very helpful, especially in times we're living in. Um, and uh, Emily, thank you so much for being here. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Wow. That was amazing, <laughs> <Matt>. <laughs> and from your lips to God's ears, let's get millions of people meditating all at once. Uh, we need folks on Team Bliss right now. We got a lot of folks on Team Stress at the moment. Oh, I would love to see that happen. <laughs> Seriously, whatever we have to do to make that happen, even if you got all of us together to say on all of our platforms, we're orchestrating this. I think that's what it's what's needed. And it should be a daily practice, but we'll get into that. Um, thank you so much for being here. I, I always say the first question is the same. Like, how do we get here? Because, and, and I think it, for contextual purposes for the, uh, for the audience, um, because you're doing phenomenal work that is really, in my opinion, for where we're heading, not where we've been. Um, but it's helping from where we've been to transition <laughs> to where we're heading. And then also, you know, you've had this, you've, you've had uh, another life here in this time. And then you, and then you, you made a transition into um, meditation and, and 
having Ziva. And uh, so I'd love to hear the, the, the run of you and you can go as far back as you'd like. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll save us the past lifetimes and the birth story and I'll go to what I think is, uh, is relevant, the most relevant, um, which would be, you know, like you've said, I was on Broadway for 10 years, which is its own high demand, you know, high stress situation. Uh, but my particular job was often to understudy the peoples. So under the understudy the lead role. So my last job was a chorus line. And I was understudying three of the leads, which means you show up to the theater, you have no idea which character you're going on for. So even on the nights that you're not on, you could be thrown on at a moment's notice. So you're basically in constant fight or flight. Sometimes they would switch me from role to role halfway through the show. And so it's just, you know, you're always on alert. And that stress and anxiety started leading to insomnia. So I couldn't sleep through the night for about 18 months. I could not sleep through the night, which mm -hmm. led to me going gray at the tender age of 26 and getting sick and injured all the time. And so long story short, I this amazing woman was sitting next to me in the dressing room. She had a harder job than I did. She was understudying five of the leads and crushing like every song, every dance, every bite of food this woman ate was a celebration. And I was like, what do you know that I don't know? And she said, I meditate. I was like, oh God, one of you. Right. <laughs> right. Like it wasn't, there weren't podcast hosts like you, like shouting the, the benefits of it so much. You know, Tim Ferriss had not yet said 90% of his guests start what? their day with meditation. You know, Oprah had not said it makes her a thousand times more productive yet. So 12 years ago, I'm rolling my eyes being like, okay, whatever. So I just keep having insomnia, keep going gray, keep sucking at my job. And then finally, I felt so embarrassed about my performance because it's really embarrassing being in a leotard on the stage in front of thousands of people and just not being able to hit the note, not being able to do the moves and, and just knowing that you're failing. And so that embarrassment finally led me to try something new. So I learned meditation. And on the first day, I took a class. And on the first day of my first class, I was in a different state of consciousness than I had ever been in before. And I liked it. And then that night I slept through the night for the first time in 18 months. Mm. And I have every night since that was 12 years ago. I then did not get sick for eight and a half years. I stopped going gray. I'm 41 now. I have like three gray hairs. I was legitimately going gray in my twenties. Uh, but most importantly, I started enjoying my job again. My performance got better. And so I was like, why is everybody not doing this? Why do we not have millions of people meditating on a TV show yet? Um, and so anyway, <laughs> I left Broadway. I went to India, like I said, I went to Rishikesh, India. And I started what became a three-year training process to teach. And since graduating, I started Ziva. As you said, I've, I've taught 40,000 people to meditate and the book um, has gone into 14 languages. And it's, it's just so exciting to see people waking up to this idea that we can't just caffeinate ourselves all day and drink ourselves to sleep at night and wonder why we're getting cancer at 45, wonder why we're constantly in overwhelm. And so to me, the meditation, like you said, it's, it's not about feeling good in the moment. It's about getting you out of who you were in your past yes. and starting to get you into the space of who you're becoming. And, and that, that takes healing, real physical cellular change. And that's one of the things that differentiates Ziva is that it is healing your body on a cellular level. So we can get into all the science of that, but that's, that's how we got here. Uh, I love it. And you're right. Uh, so I'm, I'm 41. I have no gray hair. I have actually a lot of hair, God bless. And uh, people and people look at me like, oh, what are you like, 30? I'm like, I'm 41. They're like, what do you do? 
you know, meditation, good. holistic uh, healing. Uh, I, I have a nutritionist, so I eat very good foods, uh, you know, uh, all the things. <laughs> so, Great. You know, there's an interesting study out of Tufts and Wake Forest University uh, talking about the um, like the science behind why meditation can reverse your body age by mm -hmm. somewhere between eight to 15 years. Right. So I think Wake's said, Wake, Wake Forest says eight and Tufts says 14. But what you're doing is that you're strengthening and lengthening your telomeres, which are like the casing at the end of your DNA strand, which I liken to the little casing at the end of your shoelace. Mm -hmm. You know, and if, if like the little plastic casing at the end of your shoelace lace comes undone, then the shoelace unravels. Well, the same thing is true of telomeres. So when, when, when we're stressed, our telomeres, they lengthen and sorry, they shorten and they weaken. And then once the telomeres weaken, then your DNA starts to unravel, which directly impacts your body age and, and likely your death date. Fascinating. And it's, and it's so true. Um, and I, I wanted to ask you this question because I'll forget if I don't, uh, I've been taking some notes anyway, so I'll get back to some of the other, especially with the telomeres and the science here in a minute. But why do you think, I, I, let me preface this. I think a lot of people are less resistant to meditation now more than ever, but I still think obviously we have a ways to go. Why is there resistance from people like to just mm -hmm. get out of their way? Mm -hmm. So this is, there's many facets here, but I'd say the biggest one is well, what's really going on is people don't want to sit with themselves. Nobody Boom. wants to feel their feelings. <laughs> yep. Nobody wants to actually sit with the voice in their head because usually that voice is mean. And this is also why people have such a misconception around meditation. They think, well, if I could just quiet all these terrible voices in my head, if I could just shut my brain off, then I will be happy. And isn't that the point of meditation to just get my mind to stop? Well, I've tried it. I've tried to sit down. I've tried to stop my mind and it won't go. I'm thinking about my ex-boyfriend and all my emails and my bank account, and my Instagram followers. And so I, I know meditation is supposed to be good for me, but I just can't do it. My brain is too crazy. I have too much ADD. I can't sit still. Okay. And so people are, they're excusing themselves out of the practice because really they don't want to feel their feelings. They don't want to sit with themselves. And there's an extraordinary amount of misinformation out there about meditation. And, and like I just alluded to, I'd say the number one misconception is that the point of meditation is to clear the mind. No, no, it's not. The mind thinks involuntarily, mm -hmm. just like the heart beats involuntarily. So for anyone listening who has ever felt like a meditation failure, please hear me when I say you're not a failure. There's nothing wrong with you. There's likely even nothing special about your brain. I promise that you have the ability to meditate just like everyone has the ability to sleep. Right. It's like this is not a special skill. It's just that most people are trying to do types of meditation that was designed for monks, whereas Ziva is designed for people like us, like you said, people with busy minds and busy lives. And once you have a, a tool that's made for you and not a monk, yes. and once you actually have some training to learn the skill of how to use that tool, then it's ridiculously simple. You realize that thoughts are not the enemy. You start to see a return on your time investment. And that leads me to the third thing that why people have so much resistance to meditation is that they've convinced themselves that they don't have time to do it. Yes. Usually that's because they're doing some free app they downloaded on their phone and they're like, well, I did it once and I did 10 minutes of it and my life didn't get better. But the reality is that with most of the apps and the guided YouTube videos, what most of those are doing are, are walking you through what I would call mindfulness. Right. And so mindfulness is very good at dealing with your stress in the now, like, oh, my boss yelled at me. I did 10 minutes of my app. I feel better in the now. 
Now that's different than what we do at Ziva, which is all about healing your stress from the past. It is all about clearing out the stuff that you've been storing in your cellular. And now we even know in our epigenetic memory. And here's the cool part. When you get rid of that stress that's been lodged in your nervous system, you start to be faster. Your brain gets mm -hmm. smarter. You can increase your IQ by 12 points. The amount of time it used to take your to-do list goes from five hours to three hours. The amount of sleep you need at night changes. Your immune system gets stronger. And so you start to see this massive return on investment. So you're no longer spending your time with the app. You're investing 15 minutes to get back two hours in your day. Mm. And for anyone listening to this, like any high performer is like, what's the ROI? My time is my most valuable resource. And because we've got so many apps that are derivations of things that were made for monks, people are out there spending their time, not getting ROI. And we've put meditation now in the cute category, like a pedicure, when really it needs to be the single most important piece of mental hygiene that we need to be practicing every day, especially in the middle of a pandemic, especially in the middle of a social <laughs> uprising, especially post-election. <laughs> I love that social uprising. You got that right. Um, I love everything you just said. And it was something that I, I've noticed that you do really well. Um, I love bridging the gap between business and spirituality and people are like, how do you have a conversation about both? And I'm like, because they're intertwined. And something I've noticed that you do is very similar because you, um, you honor all that meditation has as an ancient practice. And then you equate, you, you relate it to a very specific niche group of people and can speak their language to say, I know you, I get you, I understand you. And here's how doing this will help better you know, with your situation in these things. And why I believe that's so key that you do that is because you now have their attention to be like, go on versus the resistance, especially busy minds, you know, um, busy people, busy minds, busy lives. That's probably in some ways, some of the toughest market. But when you speak directly, I say to speak directly to their soul, but it really what the, they don't see it that way, but you, that's what you're doing. But you're basically cutting them right into the core of like, here's where you're getting tripped up and you're speaking their language. They're going to open their ears to you and be like, what do I got to do? Because you're, I mean, when you use words like, you know, here's your return on investment. Like, oh, wait, what are you talking? You're talking my words. You're like, yeah, I'm talking your words. Let me show you the benefits. Mm -hmm. So I find that really fascinating of like, I can see why 40,000 <laughs> plus or millions at this point, I'm sure, but like why um, it's been so effective. Um, mm. Yeah, you just outed me. So what, what I sort of built my career on is wrapping the very powerful medicine that is meditation in the candy coating of like, hey, it's going to make you more money and you're going to have better sex. So yeah, why you would go. you not do this? Right, right. You, well, and, and, and I, do, I do think that it is important though in a lot of ways because it's not until they get further on into their own practices that they can have the, the different layers of conversation that come with like just talking about meditation for the sake of meditation. I found that, you know, one of the lessons I learned in, in business, since I'm a, a tech geek, like in a, in a digital nerd, like how I do things, um, even in business, is I would have these big brands. And I remember I had Carl Helene of Krug Champagne say, he's like, I love all the words that you use. They're sexy. I'm like, cool. He's like, nobody knows what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm like, okay. He's like, but we all need it. Talk to us in our language. Tell us what we, why, like what happens when we do these things? What's the outcome? 
and uh, and it changed me forever. That was ten years ago. And it changed me forever in business about like how you know how we speak to people about the things that are good for them, and getting them to kind of come to our side a little bit and be like, hey, I get you. You're heard. You're totally heard. And here's how these things help those things get better. You know. Mm-hmm. So I find yeah. I, I think that's cool that you you talk to them in their language. You know. Yeah. Well, right. Otherwise, it's just like you know, there's plenty of gurus with mala beads and beards and robes <laughs> on mountains you know it's like it's, the information is out there the tools are out there the question is you know are people doing it or not and at this point everyone even knows they should be meditating it's right. just that no one's actually doing it you know there's like 48 million downloads between headspace and calm together mm-hmm. and 1 million paid users wow. which suggests to me there's 47 million people out there looking for a meditation practice right now right mm. and so it's like we know which we should be doing it, but not that many people have one found the tools that are really giving them the ROI or two been, um, you know, introduced to it in a way that they understand why they would give up their most valuable thing, which is their time. Yeah. Well, you're closing the gap in helping them understand because you're humanizing it. It's mm-hmm. like when the, the mala bead wearing at the top of the mountain, I'm like, Oh, that's a long ways away. I'll never get there. So they're defeated before they ever start versus like, you know, in five minutes, I can make you feel better. Like, all right, now you got my attention. And yep, totally. And you're right, solving for I time. Have, right? I have a son. I have a two-year-old son. I'm running a seven-figure company. I have 12 employees in five states. It's like, I'm not, I'm not on the mountaintop. I am in the world, in New York City, you know? And so mm. it's like, I don't, I can't afford to not do my meditation practice. Like, I'm a ding-dong when I don't meditate. And I yeah. need my brain to function at a certain level to be able to handle the amount that's on my plate right now. And so it's like, I don't understand why I would not do it. You know, Jim Quick, who's the, the right. brain guy, he's a Ziva graduate. And he says, when I don't, when I don't do my Ziva practice, I'm at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. And I think when people start to understand that this is about mental acuity, this is about giving you a competitive edge. This is about you making in, in decisions based on both your gut and your intellect simultaneously. This is not about you changing your whole identity, becoming a vegetarian and moving to the cave and becoming celibate. Like for too long, <laughs> we've, we've uh, made intertwined Uh, monasticism and meditation. And that's just one flavor of meditation. There's also a whole branch of meditation that was made for people like us, people who like having sex and like living in society and like changing ideas, uh, which is different than like, oh, I am reclusive by nature. Right. So monks have a different way that they're meditating. They're contributing to society in a totally different way. And I think if you try to pretend to be something that you're not, one, it's going to be frustrating. And two, it's not going to be that effective. Well, not only are you normalizing uh, and humanizing it into a uh, routine discipline that can benefit a human being all overall, you're also making them deal with their shit, <laughs> basically. Because you, right? Because you had mentioned that um, I wrote this down: uh, healing your stress from the past, which is you know basically happening at the cellular level. Can you dive a little bit further into that for everybody that understands? Because I, I don't think people realize how much they're holding internally, um, and I get people being scared to deal with things and you're right the, the critical voice that you know that you might hear and but you gotta you gotta do it yeah that's right so the cool thing about ziva is that it's not therapy okay so it's not like you have to go through and relive intellectually or even emotionally every single trauma that's ever happened right. to you um, what's happening with Ziva is that you're giving your body rest that's about five times deeper than sleep. And we know that because your metabolic rate decreases. That doesn't mean you're going to gain weight. That's the rate with which the body consumes oxygen. That decreases, your body temperature cools, and your heart rate slows. So when you do that, you start to de-excite the nervous system. When you de-excite something, you create order. 
Mm-hmm. And when you create order in your body, this lifetime of stress that we have stored in our cells starts to leave the building. You know, nature did not intend for us to be sick, tired, and stressed all the time. Okay, that's mean. And I don't think that nature's mean. I think this stress is trying to leave our body. But if we never stop the behavior that made us stressed in the first place, then we're never giving the stress the opportunity to leave the building. And so with this, just like when you sleep, your body heals. Mm -hmm. You go to the doctor if you're sick, what do they say to do? Rest. Well, this is what's happening in, in meditation. It's just, it's like a supercharged power nap, but without the sleep hangover on the other side. And as you start to do that every day, and what we teach at Ziva is actually twice a day, um, you're not only healing all your new stresses from today, but you're healing up the entire backlog of stresses you've ever accumulated. Mm. And the cool part there is that all along the way, you're up-leveling, up-leveling, up-leveling. Oh, I'm getting smarter. I'm getting more intuitive. I'm getting more creative because it's just like closing down all the open windows on your computer. You know, if you had 10 million open tabs on your computer and tried to write an email, that cursor would be many spaces behind. And that's what all of us are doing to our brains. The average adult has about 10 million open windows on their brain computer. There's something called premature cognitive commitments or PCCs. And we have 10 million of them by the time we're 20. Mm -hmm. And then we go to have a conversation or read a chapter in a book or write something. And we're like, what am I doing? Why, Why did I, where's my phone? Why did I pick this up? Who was I gonna call? And that's because we're wasting so many cycles on on old stressful events from the past. So what Ziva's doing is like, it's like we've minimized those 10 million windows. And with Ziva, you go in and you maximize them so that you can click X and get rid of it. Maximize, click X, get rid of it. And once that stress is gone, it's never coming back. And then you have so much more battery power, so much more computing power for the task at hand. And this is why meditation makes you better at performance because now you have your full capacity online instead Mm -hmm. of wasting your energy with some undealt with trauma from when you were 10. I love everything about the life I'm living right now (laughs) when I hear things like this because it's really about, like you said, it's solving for time, removing waste, removing stress, removing blockages, removing the things that get in the way. Um, And people don't realize how much internally they have stored up (laughs) and they have too many, like, as you say, too many windows open and um, the immense relief that comes from shutting it all down, especially since it's not even serving everybody. It's not even serving them a purpose. It's actually blocking progress in so many ways. So, I mean, wow. (laughs) <laughs> so the way you just described that, but it, and the reason why I said I, I'm loving this, this stage of my life is because these are the type of conversations that are happening for me daily where I've, I've, it's, it's so true. I mean, uh, um, we are doing too much as a society, which clearly is imploding, <laughs> is uh, doing too much. And that is not lifelong sustainability and it's going to implode. And it is. And so I think with the, uh, we're living through an interesting time where individual implosions are happening everywhere um, at an individual level based on a macro level of what's going on. Um, so you're going to be busy for like the next 50, 100 years, <laughs> basically. Great. I like working. I like my job. Right? I mean, you, you, I'm sure you do, of course, but like what a responsibility you have as we move into this next era um, of how many people will be in need of the tool sets of what you've created with Ziva, right? Because you're right. 
Well, I heard a, a, st a stat, which feel free to fact check me on this, but it, it was that <laughs> apparently one in four people who experience trauma suffer from some sort of PTSD. Mm. And if you think about, well, we got about 8 billion people right now experiencing some flavor of trauma. We are not equipped. We do not have the infrastructure nope. in place to deal with a quarter of the world's population dealing with PTSD symptoms. Yep. We just don't. So, and so it's like, we're going to need an army of meditators. We're going to need an army of meditation teachers to get these tools into people's hands to help them process all the stuff that we've been going through and, you know, what, and the long tail of this to move forward. How do you get a quarter of the world's population to just take a two minute timeout <laughs> to just be like, this isn't working. There's got to be an alternative solution. If you could talk to a quarter billion, a quarter of the world, two billion people right now, what would you tell them? Well, I mean, I'd be saying everything I'm saying right now. It's that you deserve to be happy. You mm. deserve to experience true 24-hour-a-day bliss. That's your birthright. And everything else is stress. And the cool thing is that we have a solution for stress. Right. This is not an incurable illness. Right. We are suffering unnecessarily. So my new mission at Ziva is to rid the world of unnecessary suffering. So look, I get it. Someone dies. That's part of life. You know, pain, mourning, some suffering is part of the human experience. And I'm not afraid of that. But when I see people suffering unnecessarily, that's just dumb. Like yeah. People who have insomnia, which is curable. People have anxiety, which is curable. People have depression, which is curable. And I'm not trying to invalidate those illnesses. I know those are very real things. And some people need to be on medication and meditate. But the reality is that meditation, if you're not doing that one fundamental mother skill, you're simply not giving yourself the kind of competitive advantage or a fighting chance of, of being really happy. So true. Is everybody being confronted with their own ish right now? Well, I think that this collective pause, this pandemic has the opportunity to go one of two ways, like anything, right? It's a double-edged sword. It's a tool. It's just dependent on how you use it. And I think that if you don't deal with your stuff, if you don't actually sit with whatever's coming up for you and mm -hmm. you try to numb with booze or shopping or TV or pot or eating or banana bread or whatever you're doing to get away from your feelings, then I think that this collective trauma can add another layer to the callus, another layer to the armor around our hearts. But I also think that we have an opportunity right now in this pandemic to really use it as a time to slow down, to sit with our discomfort, to look at what's coming up and to heal it. And if we do that, this could lead to a massive awakening. But if we keep trying to numb and avoid the pain, then it's going to lead to more trauma. You know, I, I agree. I'm, I'm hopeful, very, very hopeful. Actually, maybe it's the eternal optimist in me, but also also knowing of a shifting of the times um, at an energy spiritual level, not at a, <laughs> at a physical level. Um, but um, I, I'm very hopeful um, because there's a lot of layers that are also going on too. And meditation can work through those layers. So to your point, um, the capacity which our brain can understand. I, what I'm basically saying is there's a lot of stuff that is blatantly like you can see it out in front. I'm like, you don't really see it, do you? You really, really can't see it. Like, really, you can't see it. And you get a lot of people like, no, no, I'm just going to do this. And you're like, okay. Um, because they're still kind of stuck in a, a hamster wheel. And I totally get that. I, so I feel like um, now more than ever, meditation can get people rem centered 
I just want people to critically think. That's all I really care about. I want people to get, and how do you critically think? You have to start first working on yourself, healing yourself. So you could start asking questions about what is better for myself. And then how does that play at the world at large? So I think, you know, we're living in a time where people really need to find any means necessary to go inside. Uh, so like I said, you're going to be busy for a very, very, very long time. Um, but I, I, I like to think that we're, it's hopeful for where, where we're heading because um, one system is not sustainable, the other is. And that's, you know, dealing a lot more with like uh, interpersonal growth, meditation, um, you know, critical thinking, um, spiritual practice, et cetera. Um, do you, what do you see coming down? What do you see coming next with, with people as there's this kind of more influx of unplugging from the system and plugging more into themselves? Well, I think that moving forward, society's going to start changing even faster. You know, yes. technology is speeding up. Medicine is speeding up. Our data production is speeding up. Our ability to organize data is speeding up. Uh, you know, medical devices are getting smaller and smaller, and this is all happening at an exponential rate. And so for us as humans, I really think that the number one marker of our ability to thrive or not, or even survive in the coming decades is gonna be our ability to adapt. And this to me is one of the most beautiful benefits of meditation is that it increases your adaptation energy, which is simply your ability to handle the demand. It's your ability to handle a change of expectation. Like, are you, do you feel your feelings fully, process them and then move into the new now? Or do you try and shove your feelings down, be rigidly attached to the past or rigidly attached to some illusion of the future and, and keep becoming more and more brittle? Um, and I think that, you know, so as society starts speeding up, we're going to have one real directive, which is adapt, adapt, adapt. I mean, we're being asked to do that very quickly right now in a very concentrated amount of time. But I think that while things, you know, hopefully the pandemic will get under control and, you know, these, this particular chapter will change inevitably. I think that the rate of change might be here to stay. Do you feel that, agreed, <laughs> do you feel that, um, we live in a very heightened state of, um, information more than, you know, previous decades. So, um, I'm very neutral. <laughs> I try to stay very independent. So I'm trying to, you know, but I guess where I'm trying to go with and ask is that, um, is it the pandemic people are scared of or is it having them deal with things that they hadn't had to think of before that they're scared of? Because I, and, and, and I know that, that, I know that that gets into a very controversial, I'm trying to be very like just because I don't really like to I don't want to take it in any kind of you know weird place or anything like that but um because of kind of what you're saying like people don't have to like sit and think about their things but like um we're dealing with something that's you know very tough and very spreadable and I get all that part but when I see people what I'm seeing is a lot of um more of their emotional traumas being enacted out and then that's kind of being what's being used to make a lot of decision making in their world right now so I wonder, is that like, is that just, is that what we're living through? Is that like, it's just, it's just bringing up a lot of different emotional traumas that people are having to now be like, okay, here's where I'm at. And, but they have to, be, they have to recognize it though. Right. Well, I think that what's happened is that, like you said, there's, um, 
like information now and data production is so bifurcated. We don't just have three news sources anymore. Everybody has their own TV station in their phone. And so, you know, there's no one narrative anymore. There's no like singular reality that, that people are buying into. And, you know, a lot of people make a lot of money off of exploiting people's fears and Mm -hmm. also dividing people. I would even argue that there's very deliberate political attempts by outside forces to divide the U.S. um, on, you know, and using technology to do that. So I think that it's anytime people are stressed, certainly over a long period of time, um, the unfortunate reality is that stress makes you stupid, sick, and slow. Mm-hmm. And when you're stupid, sick, and slow, you're not going to be making great decisions right. and you're more susceptible to things and you're not adapting. And so, you know, regardless of what you're afraid of, you know, some people are afraid of the government controlling their lives and some people are afraid of the virus and some people are afraid of, you know, whatever you got, right, whatever right. fear it is, all the things, right. <laughs> um, then then the reality is that fear is putting you into fight or flight. Yes. And so whatever flavor of fear you're dealing with, the chemical reaction in your body is going to be the same. Um, you know, you're going to have adrenaline and cortisol, your immune system's going to shut down, your adrenals are going to get jacked, your endocrine system gets jacked, you know, your sleep cycles, all of it, um, your sexual functioning, your hormone, like all of it changes. And so the reality is, it's just like, are you, are you, taking care with your own mental and emotional state are you curating consciously what you're putting not only in your mouth but also your eyeballs like what are you ingesting you know food wise but also what are you ingesting in your eyeballs and and i think that we have to be making really conscious decisions about that right now so well put I'm, that's exactly what i was hoping you would say <laughs> too because like because i because i know that there's everybody is is charged right now with some not everybody but a lot of people are charged with something um, and they don't realize what it does to their cortisol levels, stress hormones, right? To to the, to them internally into their body, and and then that whole fight or flight mode, which not a lot of people always understand. Um, so I'm I'm really glad you brought that all up, and and that's why, as you can tell, it's like it's hard to because I'm trying to keep it more macro level at like dealing with things at a you know a universal level, not this um, you know kind of weird because uh, because it, it's different for every person. Everybody's having a different experience right now within a, 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 a same thing, so. The other thing we have to realize about fight or flight is that if you're in the fight part of that, you're going to need an enemy. Yep. So a lot of people who are stressed are looking for an enemy. And so we got to be careful. The beautiful thing when you start meditating is that you start strengthening the connection between your insula, which is the empathy center of your brain, and something called the dorsomedial prefrontal cortex, which is the piece of your brain that processes information about people who we perceive as separate. So you start having more empathy for people who you previously saw as separate. Mm. And that can help a lot of things. It can help racism. It can help the bifurcation or the, you know, the polarization of red and blue, gay and straight, white and black. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you starting to have empathy for people who you think are different than you can, can solve a lot of problems. Well, and, and think about, I mean, the beauty of, of so many people then finally getting together and be like, wait, what do you want? What do you want? Like, so you kind of want the same thing. You're like, yeah, but you're saying it differently and you're worried about this. Yeah, what do you want? <laughs> and you start to have this kind of coming together of like, maybe we're not so different. And maybe we also, um, you know, we're all acting from 
a emotional pass and traumas, but we're all trying to head towards the same direction. And until we deal with our stuff and then together, can we like start to move together fluidly? Uh, so, um, I like that. And, and cause you had also mentioned, you know, the benefits of meditation, emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. I would love for you to expand on that for the audience. Well, I mean, emotional intelligence is, you know, how compassionate are you with yourself? Yes. How compassionate are you with other people? Can you see your stuff when it's coming up? Or are you a victim to your old traumas, right? Cause if you can't recognize your patterns, mm-hmm. if not in real time, then very shortly thereafter, then then basically your old trauma, your old programming is steering your life. And so until you take the time to stop and look at it and bring it to the service and then be intentional about what beliefs are you're letting run your life, um, because the thing about humans is that we will always find evidence for what we choose to believe. And if you choose to believe you're a victim, then you're always going to find evidence to support that. If you choose to believe that you are creating your life with nature, then you'll find evidence to support that. And so emotional intelligence to me is you know, having the bravery to look at the people, events, thought patterns, media, whatever it is that's created your belief system, mm-hmm. and then going in and being like, oh, I yes, this is still true for me. I'm going to hold on to this. Nope, that's not true for me anymore. That's just a lie that I learned when I was 10 because I had to survive. Um, you know, so you go through and you, and you let go of the stories that you perhaps don't need anymore because as children, none of us can survive on our own, right? Like we need our parents or some adult to protect us. And oftentimes those adults have their own, (laughs) right? Right. Like oftentimes we were not raised by enlightened saints with therapy degrees. So with psychology degrees. So we've inherited for better or for worse, whatever stuff they were dealing with and taken it on and shifted it in our own way. And so, there's a cycle of forgiveness that happens there. There's a cycle of recognition that happens there. And, and that takes work and time and resources. So the other thing is, you know, we look at disenfranchised populations that are oftentimes the most traumatized and they have the least amount of resources to do this work, to do the spiritual work, to look at the traumas that they've inherited, to deal with the adverse childhood experiences, which now we know directly correlate to addiction. So there's a thing called ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, which is a new, and there's an ACE scale that are starting to give to kids in foster homes. This was developed by the current Surgeon General of the state of California, who's amazing. And they've discovered that your score on, on like your childhood adverse childhood experience score, your ACE score is directly proportional to your um, likelihood to have an addiction. And so right now we treat addiction like it's a crime versus like it is a symptom of childhood trauma. And we're seeing that in the justice system. We're seeing that in our, the way that we fund communities. And so like, to your point of like, we got to look at our stuff. We have to look underneath the hood. Yes. That's going to require us as individuals, but it's also going to require us to do it societally. Well, you know, and the interesting part too, a lot of times with what I have found with emotional intelligence is, um, a higher understanding of yourself um, will give you more of a control over the type of choices that you are making. And a lot of times when we don't maybe have that uh, fuller understanding of ourselves and we're constantly wanting from others. And I always tell people, I'm like, well, are you wanting from others because you are lacking in your ability to create it for yourself? And in understanding that, um, you know, because everybody kind of numbs we all numb from different everybody tries to numb from different things versus um dealing with their shit <laughs> basically dealing with your ish right so um 
I feel like the, the greater self-love that we can have, and there's no greater self-love than like unpacking our stuff and understanding it, where did it come from? Why did it show up there in the first place? Hey, it's all good that it, yeah, okay, it happened, cool. Like now let's just start to like heal from it. Let's understand it, let's, let's work through it, let's forgive it, let's do all these different things. We're gonna behave differently to the rest of the world from that. We're gonna treat time differently. We're gonna treat others differently. We're gonna treat um, problem solving differently. So, um, and I, I don't know, and I feel like one of the greatest medium, media mediums to get us to, or, or tools I should say really, to get us there is through a form of meditation. Um, and I love the fact that you also brought up, it's not all about, as you said earlier, you know, sitting on the mountaintop and in complete silence, because there's a lot of evidence too about like, people who meditate while they run or people who they, or people who meditate. Like there's so many different idea, um, modalities of meditate uh, within meditation. I don't know if modality is the right word I'm using, but like there's so many different ways to meditate that actually really, really, um, help people other than just, it's not really about just sitting in silence. Um, it's just finding a, a level that can help you tap into the sides of you that you may not have been aware of. Um, and start to have really, really great conversations the same way you would treat a best friend that you can now start treating yourself that same way. Mm, I love the idea of having a, like treating yourself like your best friend. Um, but I would argue that running is very different from meditation and walking in the woods (laughs) is very different than meditation. So I agree with you in that, um, you know, running can get you to like a right brain, perhaps meditative state or, you know, surfing, you know, could get you Mm. into flow state. Um, nature bathing in woods, very, very good for you. A ton of scientific benefits of like, you know, your body hearing the rustling of the trees and your eyes seeing the patterns of the leaves, all that is great for you. But, and admittedly, I'm a meditation snob, but to me, meditation does not mean two minutes of silence. It does not mean being present while you're washing your dishes. I would call that mindfulness, which Uh. is the art of bringing your awareness into the present moment. And mindfulness is great, but it's only dealing with your stress in the now. And that includes exercise, right? Like you could go on a long run and it will reduce your stress, but all that run is going to do is handle your stress from today. Where Ziva is really unique and why I'm such a snob about this is that when you're accessing a verifiable fourth state of consciousness, where the right and left hemispheres of the brain are functioning in unison and where you're giving your body this deep rest, that's actually the phenomenon that heals the stress from the past. And that's different than therapy, okay? Because Ziva is sort of like a hardware upgrade. You're defragging your brain computer, where therapy is an operating system upgrade. This is the lens through which you're seeing your life. And part of that requires, you know, where did I even inherit this lens? You know, what is my operating system? And so I'm just trying to put it all into context. Like all mindfulness, great. But if we really want to get to the root thing and heal ourselves on a cellular level, we're going to have to use meditation. And the way I find that meditation and therapy work together is that my meditation practice has just given me the bravery and resilience and chutzpah that it takes to even face my stuff through therapy. Because it's terrifying. Right, yeah. like nobody wants to see all the mistakes they've made. No one wants to face the pain or the trauma that we've all had in some way, shape, or form. And yet, if you do that, the return on investment for that is extraordinary because the whole rest of your life is going to be better. You're going to make better decisions. You're going to choose better partners. You're going to call in higher-paying jobs. You're going to attract more clients because people are going to like the way they feel around you. I like that a lot. Um, the that that actually thank you for contextually laying that out because you're absolutely i believe you're absolutely right with the um it is what i was referring to is much more mindfulness being being present into the the activity at hand that you are doing 
or in understanding exactly where you are in that moment and being one with it or being in that, you know, being, um, just being in that moment uh, versus the uh, science meets, you know, the, with the metaphysics and the epigenetics and uh, going, <laughs> going much deeper into the, the layers. I'm not going to use your words <laughs> because I would I feel like you're the, you're the expert in that, but, but it totally makes sense to me that um, uh, when we can start to go internally at the cellular level and um, understand why the wiring is the way it is, and have a relationship with that wiring, then we could really understand how to rewire. And that's actually very exciting to me. Mm-hmm. So exciting. You know, um, how would, do you have like different levels with Ziva? Like, do you, so is there, when people, when you start working with clients, are there layers <laughs> that you go through with, with them, you know, in, uh, in the practice or is it just, is it pretty, you know, straightforward it's like hey here's how 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 it works and this is you know from the get-go you're tapped in well there are there's sort of like different levels that you could learn with me i might say the the easiest most gentle cheapest way would be through the book you know in in stress less accomplish more i do i mean a lot of it is the science of why to meditate which we've been talking about a ton on this podcast so if you wanted to get the book you could probably skip chapters one through seven one through six (laughs) Because in chapter seven, I talk about the the detox that happens for a lot of folks. Mm. But then in chapter eight, I actually teach a gentle version of the Ziva technique. Um, I say then the next sort of like layer that that people could do is is Ziva online, which is this beautiful 15-day matriculation. And I start everyone with mindfulness, which is like we were saying, the art of bringing your awareness into the present moment. And that's preparing them to surrender into the meditation. But like I just mentioned with this detox, when people start a practice as powerful as Ziva, there usually is a period of purge, right? Like there's an emotional and sometimes even physical catharsis that happens where they get very tired or very angry or very sad. And it's my job as a teacher to warn them of that and to equip them to move through it elegantly and to give them the support that they need. So even though Ziva Online is an online training, you know, people have access to calls with me and all my teachers and a beautiful community. So I think that's really important that people have support if they're gonna really learn meditation. Um, and then they finish with the manifesting. And then when there's not a pandemic happening, I teach live as well. And that's sort of another layer that would be um, like a more advanced experience where it's in person, people, there's a ceremony to start. People are given, you know, like a personalized mantra. And then I do another thing called moving into mastery, which is about a year long curriculum where it's, it's an opportunity for me to share everything I've been learning over the past 12 years of studying the Vedas. And I applied that to mastering your brain, your body, your money, your relationships, your creativity, your performance. And that's also the prequel to to teacher training. We're not doing a teacher training at the moment, but to your point, we might need to start as we, as we have this army of meditation teachers, we're going to be coming up here real quickly. I bet you see so much interesting um, shifts with clients when they go through that first purge or first major purge because they've probably gone through some kind of purge at some point maybe knowingly or unknowingly but i bet in that that uh i bet it's an interesting thing to watch students or clients and you know go through the purge of like what was that (laughs) you're like welcome it's just so funny because everyone thinks i'm psychic i'm like i'm not psychic you just see some patterns after forty thousand people and i'm like any couple that comes take the course together i'm like i was like take out this piece of paper write down write this down 
if we get divorced in the next two weeks, Emily is voiding the transaction and I make them sign it. And they're like, come <laughs> on, that's not gonna happen to us. We're not gonna wanna get divorced, we're so in love. Four days later, they're like, well, we call our divorce attorney. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, so people, cause they just get angry. It's like both people are PMSing at the same time. And that's really confusing for people. They're like, wait, I thought this thing was supposed to be a bubble bath for my brain. Like I thought I was supposed to just be floating on a cloud of bliss for the rest of my life. And it's like, yeah, you're gonna get there, but guess what? You got 10 years of drinking and 40 years of Taco Bell and your parents divorce in there. And you know, you got some trauma that has to go up and out. And that's my job is to make people, not make them, but encourage them to have a sense of humor about it, to warn them, to equip them to deal with it. But yeah, I've seen, I've seen almost it all. I had one woman, she was this like very high powered private equity, like partner in a private equity firm, mother of three, like just ass kicker. And I told her all the things I was like, no divorces, no proposals, no quitting of jobs, no moving. Just take a nap. If you're, if you're freaking out in the next week, take a nap. She comes back the next day and she's like, well, I fired my partner. I asked my husband for divorce. I got on Zoloft and I got a vitamin B12 shot. And I was mm. like, geez, you haven't even been gone for 18 hours. <laughs> <laughs> like, can you just be angry for a day and just sit with that feeling instead of trying to change your whole life? But we got there, but it took us a minute. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, <laughs> for anybody listening to, <laughs> don't be scared if you haven't actually gone down the rabbit hole yet of, of like, of, of, <laughs> I know, I'm making a really great sales pitch. I'm like, do Ziva, your whole life will explode. <laughs> but I, I, do, I do, I do think that it's, but it isn't necessary for people to understand, like, like to the point where you said, look, if you've been doing something for 10 years, even, even living a way of life for 20, 30, 40, whatever, it's not something solvable overnight in that the moment you start to do the work, well, you're now, you're unpacking like years and years and years of stuff. Like, oh, I did this because of this, because of this, because of this, because of that. Oh, like this used to make sense, but why was it even doing the first place? Oh, that came from programming. Oh, that came from this. I mean, you know, when I, eight years ago, when I kind of started really just refocusing and really learning more about myself and going really, really inside, you know, you, you get both freedom and guilt at the same time. And people be like, well, I don't get that. I'm like, well, I've never felt freer from actually like understanding and all of these amazing things. And they're like, well, where's the guilt coming from? And I'm like, because how much time did I waste? Or could I have done that better? Could I have this? And I was like, now I'm like, that's a trap because that's the beauty. That was the catalyst. You were supposed to, that's part of the ascension of the soul and like actually getting through the things. But I'm like, I didn't, I was like, but you still, when you're awake and you're aware, more aware, you then look back on things as well too. And be like, oh man, there's a lot of different things in there that I was doing. So you have to show yourself a lot of grace. It takes time. And in some cases, like what you're bringing up, hey, um, this partner doesn't make sense anymore or this um, job doesn't make sense anymore. Because I've done the same, like even in helping CEOs when I was helping with their companies, I'm like, this isn't like, tell me about why we're even here in the first place. And then sure enough, there's like two of them that were like, hey, I think I'm resigning. I'm like, oh, I didn't say that. <laughs> uh, they're like, no, it really makes no sense that I'm even here. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, you know, so I get, I think, I think that the part that you brought up is like, if you're dealing with, you know, years and years and years of, of stuff, you gotta be patient with the process and you gotta be really, you gotta show yourself grace because it is, it is a journey. It is a journey. Healing is a journey, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and like, and it can be, just like you've been happy a million times before you ever started meditating, you'll be happy a million times yes. on your process of being a meditator. It's just instead of picking up more dirt and stress and adding that to your nervous system, you're systematically getting rid of it. So it's like, are you having fun making your house dirty? Are you having fun making your house clean? Yes. 
Amen. Um, where, how can people find out more about you and connect with you online and about Ziva and all, all the things there? I'd say our, our home, our hub is our website, which is zivameditation.com. And Ziva, it's a Sanskrit word. It's Z-I-V-A. And it's a Sanskrit word that means bliss. But zivameditation.com, you can find that beautiful 15-day training that I mentioned. You can find the book there. And actually in February, which I'm so excited about, we're coming out with Ziva Kids. Mm. So we've been working on a kids course for the past two years. We've worked with folks from Sesame Street and child psychologists from Harvard. And I'm so ridiculously excited to birth this thing into the world because I think especially now, you know, kids are like, I'm in school, I'm out of school. I can't play, I can play. Like, it's just, this is a this is big. It's big for adults, but it's also really big for kids. And we didn't create Ziva Kids because of it, but I'm so glad that the timing is working out that it's going to help kids as they're dealing with this, this tale of this pandemic, which is going to be the mental health pandemic. So anyway, Ziva Kids is coming out in February. And then as far as social media goes, I'd say we're all over, but Instagram is where we're most active and it's at Ziva Meditation. That's amazing. And I'm, I'm excited that you're, you're focusing on, um, meditation for kids. I think the early on that we can protect their minds, protect their health, their mental health, their creativity. Oh, they're, you know, we're all in it for a benefit of that. <laughs> so that's right. That's yeah. right. We will. And that's exactly what Ziva Kids is doing. It's training kids to unlock their own superpowers of bravery, creativity, and kindness. And so I'm very much positioning this as like, oh, this is a tool to help your kids do whatever they love, but mm -hmm. better. It's not like, oh, you're so messed up, but there's something wrong with you. So you need to meditate because that's a punishment and there's nothing yes. wrong with our kids. Our kids are perfect. It's they're responding to our stress. Yes. Right? So it's, it's like we just giving them the tools to remind themselves of their own superpowers. So they're moving into being superheroes. That's the whole premise. And we, we created this amazing puppet. His name is Z-Bunny and he's <laughs> adorable and he's training to be a superhero. So uh, yeah, it's so good. No, no, I, that, uh, I mean, right there, starting, starting at that level where remind them and nurture in some ways, some of what they already are before, you know, <laughs> the <laughs> parts of the, you know, the educational system and sometimes, or, or like you said, just the stressors of, of people start to kind of pull them away out of that stuff. And it's like, no, 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 you've got it right. We've got it wrong. We have to return back. <laughs> we have to deal with all our ish and get back to yes. your level child. So like, um, I think protecting them at that level so they can really expand from that stage on up is really what's going to also lead the world in this beautiful future. So, I mean, how, like, again, like what, another responsibility. what we've learned with vets, it's like if you train veterans in mental resilience and meditation tools before going into combat, mm -hmm. their ability to process that stress is so much better and their symptoms of PTSD are almost eradicated mm -hmm. versus if you wait until after the trauma has happened and then try to introduce the meditation, it takes much longer and it's much less effective. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing with children. If we can give them these emotional resilience or emotional agility tools at an early age, their ability to process stress throughout their lifetime is going to be so much greater and then we don't have to undo the damage that world that the world creates right well <laughs> because they'll be leading us now <laughs> they won't exactly. they won't buy any of our crap anymore <laughs> that's right <laughs> they'll be like you guys uh you silly adults you <laughs> okay. Oh, boomer. okay boomer <laughs> you know so um uh, amazing amazing stuff thank you so much for being on the show um i I, I tell everybody this it's a journey driven podcast so you're welcome back on any time. We're living in a very interesting time. Um, so, you know, 
two months from now, three months from now, half a year from now, might be a lot of stuff, a lot of changes, a lot of things going on. Uh, we can unpack any number of other subjects if you'd like, themes within a theme, if you will. Uh, but you're welcome back on anytime. I'd love to have you. All right. Well, maybe we could do something specifically about kids. When I, kids comes out. I think that's actually a really good idea. I really do. It's something that, uh, as you can tell, like I'm just, I'm very passionate about like, I just, uh, preservation, I, I guess, you know what it is? It's, it's shortening the, um, the, uh, the learning curve of having to return back to some of the very things we came into this world with. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of from my own personal journey of like, you know, while I've been very fortunate along the way with a lot of really great people around me per se, um, but there were a lot of, you know, I had, you know, I was raised in a family that was very much like, I do the work, son, love you, <laughs> you know, which I'm, oh, thank God, um, you know, because they all did too. Um, but still, society, you know, can be tough. It can be tough on you if you're not, if you don't have all the tools to navigate. Imagine raising kids already with those tools embedded in them. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so that's a whole other level of play. Um, and how that affect um, how they make choices in their, in their sports and their partners and their schooling and their um, decisions and the things that they decide, their jobs or their, you know, their entrepreneurial endeavors, whatever it might be, um, their innovation and creativity. Uh, I think we're in for a really, really great next 10 to 15, 20 years. So mm. Yes, right. from your lips to God's ears. Great next 10 to 15 years and Emily Fletcher on TV leading millions of people through meditation. There you go. So there you go. Make it so. Well, you know, I, what it, to me, what would be funny just to see, not funny, but I, I, I'm hopeful is what TV will look like in about 5, 10, probably closer to maybe 10 years from now, if not sooner, but 10 years where the channels are different, right? Like instead of... Um, how they are now you have more of kind of like the Gaia's type of like where you got oh is that meditation tv mtv is now meditation tv you know what i mean it's a whole different like that's that's totally happening right it's gonna be like a whole different like oh you know i'm just gonna turn on meditation tv and not and not the the commercialization of it as much as like no because people are really wanting to actually like do the work um because i know that there's a lot of balances in between there versus you know there's a lot of people who probably jump in your field where like here you've been working at it for 12 years and you get some instagram that's like so i I cured myself with meditation and now I'm going to do like these, I get these bots that like hit me up. Like I can solve your problems for $10. <laughs> I'm like, uh-huh, okay. Uh-huh. Oh. Well, you know, Deepak's doing some interesting stuff with AI and mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, we'll see how, how it's going to turn out, but basically like you can go in and like put a profile in and then it's searching his anthology of books and apps and guided meditations and then kind of creating a solution for you based on his anthology of work, which I think is fascinating. Um, but but at what point does a computer really become smarter or more emotionally intelligent than a human? You know, and what level of like actual intuition and spirit working through a human is the healing or is it really just an algorithm of Oh, you have this problem. Here's the solution. Right. So I, I'm, I don't know where it's going, yeah. but I'm, I'm excited to be on the ride. As much as I love tech and it's been my whole background, I, uh, I still believe in human interaction. So the two working together, hand in hand, leveraging each other. So, amen to that. I guess. Yeah. Um, oh, I did yeah. want to share. I forgot. There is one link that I'd love to gift yeah, your please. audience. They, and they can have it for the first three days of Ziva Online as a gift. Um, for your listeners, and that's just uh, zivameditation.com slash preview. Preview. Perfect. I'll also put that in the show notes Great. as well so that like the entire internet will have access to that. <laughs> Basically all the all the platforms. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Emily, for coming on the show. I really appreciate having you and talking about this, especially, look, we're, we're wrapping up 2020 and going to 2021. 
people need all the tools they can get. <laughs> the ride's still going. So I really, yeah, I, right. <laughs> I really appreciate, you know, you coming on and talking about these areas and, and just wow. giving people another, some more access to some things that they can really be using right now. Thank you for having me. Thank you for your lifetime of work and for creating this platform. Uh, it's really, it's really thank, exciting. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So every, I'll, I'll connect with you guys here in one second, but um, everybody listening, please go check out Ziva Meditation um, at Ziva Meditation on uh, Insta. Also, you can go to ZivaMeditation.com uh, and then ZivaMeditation.com forward slash preview. Uh, if you want to try it right out for three days as well, um, connect with Emily, connect with the, her team. Uh, if you got any questions, feel free to uh, reach out to them and ask. And, uh, you know, look, guys, we're living in a time where I just encourage everybody to just just breathe for a second, take a step back and start asking some really great questions about yourself. It's OK if it's a little mucky at first. Like it, we, it may feel like that, but little bits at a time, just start kind of chopping away at like one little area at a time, one little area at a time, one little area at a time that starts to compound and the compound effect is a very, very beautiful thing. If you can chunk in these little smaller micro chunks that eventually become your macro. So, um, and I highly encourage meditation for that. Um, Emily, thank you so much for coming on the show, uh, to the audience. Thank you guys so much for continuing to listen. And uh, thank you so much for the ratings and reviews uh, for The Hustle Sold Separately. Myself, Matt Gossman, and our amazing guest, Emily Fletcher. We are out. All right, we're done. We did it. That was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. If you guys want to, if you want to come back on in, you know, a few months, um, you let me know. Kirsten can reach out. And uh, after the, after the program is launched, would love to talk about that as well. And yeah, this will, and this will be ready, um, not next Monday, but the Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday after. So like not next week, but the week of the, what is that? The 14th, 15th? Yeah. Okay. Impressive turnaround. And yes, I would love to take you up on that, especially if you feel like, you know, if your audience has kids or grandkids or nephews or nieces, that that would be so awesome. So thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, my audience um, is very split. Um, so yes, uh, a good chunk of them have kids, a good chunk of them want kids. And also I think it's just um, something to talk about in terms of we're planning again, we're planning for where we're heading, not where we've been this entire time and what we're experiencing mm -hmm. right now. This is not... <laughs> It's not what future health looks like. So um, I think it's very important to have these type of conversations for sure. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, I really, thanks for being such a great interviewer and for creating such an awesome show. It's really fun. Oh, uh, thank you. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful you had a great experience too. And th thank you for your patience today. I appreciate that. Right. Um, and yeah, and you have a great weekend. I'll keep you both posted on, um, uh, on when the show is ready and with all the promo materials, Kirsten knows the, the drill. And uh, yeah. And we'll all go from there. Right. Sounds good. Thanks. Awesome. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. You guys have a great weekend. Bye. Right, take care. Bye.